Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Talking Trash, a look at some of the most hotly debated news and developments in the waste and recycling industry. I'm your host, Cole Rosengren, Waste Dive's resident garbage enthusiast and staff reporter, bringing you a special episode on the recent New York City Food Waste Fair. This first-of-its-kind event was hosted by the Foundation for New York Strongest and the City's Department of Sanitation. It was aimed at giving businesses all the info they need to start addressing food waste now. A full day at panels and demonstrations about prevention, recovery, recycling, and all kinds of practical advice. Dozens of exhibitors were on hand, and the city estimates that about 1,200 tickets were sold. And the event attracted just about every local industry player in food waste walk in town. Now, as a former New Yorker and someone who spent many years dealing with food waste at restaurant and catering jobs, I can tell you that this conversation has really evolved a lot in the past few years. This was not something that used to be on our radar at work. Uh, It was not really easy as a resident unless maybe you had a local farmer's market drop-off or community garden in your neighborhood. Uh, And people are really just talking about it much more than they used to be. Awareness is high. This really started with the local organics diversion law that was passed in 2013. Since then, New York's curbside residential program has grown to become the largest in the country, and its commercial requirements are expanding too. One week before the Food Waste Fair, Sanitation Commissioner Catherine Garcia announced that the city is planning to expand current commercial diversion requirements to about 2,000 more large businesses. This is going to cover large uh, retail establishments such as grocery stores, any chain restaurant with more than 50 locations in the city, and restaurants of a certain size. While some of these businesses are already separating their food scraps, many of them aren't, and if the proposal is adopted as currently announced, it could mean tens of thousands of tons of new material heading to regional processing facilities very soon. To get a better sense of the city's thinking behind this decision, I sat down with Commissioner Garcia for a quick interview at the Food Waste Fair about the logistics involved with processing and collecting all these new food scraps. We do a very large in-depth analysis of what the processing capacity is every spring and we make a determination based off what that capacity is. And so we think now there's enough capacity in the region to go broader in terms of requiring commercial establishments to sort of separate. But we will go through a rulemaking process where the businesses will have an opportunity to comment on anything that we're proposing. What are, what's, what are, what's kind of new come on in the region? Well, one of the things, big things that came on in the region was quantum biogas. Um, and so they're part of us looking at where the regional capacity is, but you're also beginning to see other digester projects from, I believe it's Vanguard, uh, has two projects that are either about to start into construction or are in construction. So a lot of pieces are coming together. I think we've been able to stimulate the market um, and really grow this industry. So we think about that, obviously the residential is still expanding, more and more material out there. How do you assess long-term stability? For example, are you competing for a space that one is digested for maybe some business? You know, how do you factor that in the equation? So we absolutely take into account what we think we're going to need regionally before we press into the commercial sector. Uh, we don't want to be in competition with the commercial sector for processing capacity, uh, but we think that we're in, in a good place. We're being very conservative we don't want to have people separate and then not have it achieve a renewable or uh, turn into compost in the future. So that'd be very disheartening. Right. And I'm sure you get close to work about two, five years, ten years, as more people in the region want to do organics. 
not really be enough room for the arts. But the hope, I guess, is that with every more interest comes more capacity. Right. As, as we've been talking to folks who are making investments in this sector, we're really seeing a lot of interest. So we're, we're cautious in making sure we don't get ahead of ourselves. But we think that particularly in the broader Northeast, you're seeing a lot of development. Um, and part of that's been driven by policy in other states, part of it driven by what's happening in New York City. Do you think this next round of commercial requirements, presuming it gets you know, adopted, will help spur more investment for the commercial sector? So I mean, that's part of like making sure the processing sector is ready, but also making sure the private carding sector is ready. Um, and I think that they are watching us. Many of them are here today uh, and listening to what businesses are asking about and seeing what's happening in the rest of the industry. So the ones who want to be here in the future are thinking about what investments they need to make to make them competitive in the long run. People are always nervous about change, but oftentimes that change does not end up being detrimental to their business model. So as the commissioner mentioned, some local haulers have already decided to make the investment in the equipment they need for organics collection, and many more are starting to do the same if they haven't already. For some perspective on how this has been working from a business standpoint, I talked to the CEO of the largest privately owned collection company in the New York City area. Here's what Ron Bergamini from Action Environmental Group had to say in an interview we did the day before the food race fair. You guys, I know, have been ahead of the curve on organics. We're doing it before the first. We, we've been doing it for over 10 years. Okay. And so why, some companies, I know more are coming around, it's a bit of investment, maybe you got to get a seal body truck, so you've got to make sure your processing capacity is there. Why did you decide to make the investment then, and how, you know, has it paid off, how's it been going for you? Well, we reacted to the market. Some folks wanted it done. So we provided that service. That's where we're free market people. Sure. And when somebody wants that service, we see what it takes to be able to provide it. You need to get to a critical mass. And we had that. One of the ironies right now is as more organics is required, there now is a challenge on disposal because more people are doing it. The, the city's thought was by requiring this, people will then build it and the market will react. And the market's been slow to react to that. I'm not exactly sure why. I think there's skepticism on whether it will hold or not because it's a big investment to do this, to, to scale this up. Ultimately, you have to answer to the banks and investors. So, right. Well, so it sounds like great. That's what some folks are wondering. But you guys, made, customers are asking for it, made the investment. Well, we made the investment in purchasing vehicles. Right. Not, you're not into the we're, we're looking in, like every other company, we're looking into some processing opportunities. But all we did was buy a couple trucks. Gotcha. So in terms of the margins on that, how does that compare to the other parts of your business? Uh, not not all that good, frankly. Uh, food waste is heavy, right. uh, but we're a believer that the more services we provide a customer, the stickier that customer will be. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can break even on one component of the business is to keep the customer. The city wants zero waste, both in commercial and residential. So organics doesn't seem to be going anywhere. No, I, I think organics is here to stay. Yeah. What form it takes and how one defines that is still open. But conceptually, I think it's here. It's here to stay. in the organics business for the foreseeable future. Well, we're, we're, we're a logistics business. Right? We move things from point A to point B. So if it's food waste or dry waste, we're happy to do it. For another service provider's perspective, I also spoke to Gregory Lettieri, CEO of Recycle Track Systems, 
about how this has become popular among businesses as more of a value choice, even if they aren't required to do so under the current regulations. Leteri said it's going very well, but he sees potential issues with capacity due in part to permitting requirements. So right now we currently have a dedicated truck that will go uh, throughout supermarkets and restaurants for tote programs. Do you have customers that are doing this that are not currently required to do so by the city manager? We, we do, and those are the, the forward-thinking customers. Uh, mostly are uh, either Fortune 500 customers or smaller entities that truly like to build a sustainable product and have a sustainable um, either membership or a client base that, that is part of their culture as a company. It's not truly a money-saving exercise, but our goal as a provider is to, is to keep it at net neutral. Right, so we have the new round of businesses have been announced, presuming that gets adopted in some yes. form. Why well, talk about capacity? Is it there? The city seems to think it is. What are you hearing on capacity? The, the, there is definitely capacity issues and cost issues. That's mm -hmm. so as as generators and legislation kind of increase, you, you're going to have less and less facilities to take it to. The distance is quite far to, to some of these farms. Uh, there's I met a few individuals today that are taking it to pig farms and turning it into chicken feed. Unfortunately, you also need a very clean product to have that. Uh, so there's education with the customers as well. It's it's not just, you know, do your best and throw 80% food and 20% trash in and there's some magic machine that takes care of it. Uh, I think you're seeing the industry change, but there's a huge education piece of this initiative that will need to take place uh, in New York City and other major cities across the country. How do we solve that capacity problem? You know, is it... Is uh, the idea is hopefully generational spur investment seems to be happening. It will, but um, you, you need a change at the governmental level. I've met numerous companies throughout the last couple of years that are at this show as well that are trying to open facilities to support the capacity issues that are stuck in one to four years of red tape. And yeah, at the state, county level in New Jersey, at the city level, we need to fast track that uh, to really truly support the growth in capacity in New York, and, and as well as New Jersey, Long Island. Now, this question of capacity and the roadblocks that exist to expand more of it has been a very common theme in my conversations with people in the New York industry for years. And even though sanitation says they've identified enough capacity, much of that is far away from the city, and any chance of putting something in the five boroughs seems slim. One factor behind this is, of course, space. Aside from the city's existing wastewater treatment plants, one of which is currently accepting food scraps, Finding space for a full-scale anaerobic digestion facility would be next to impossible. The same goes for putting in any kind of industrial composting operation either. Sanitation does have its own composting facility on Staten Island, and there are many great community-scale operations, but space is again a factor here. Though there are some other concepts for micro-digestion and small-scale organics processing that are particularly interesting. One I've been following for the past couple of years is designed to actually fit an existing warehouse space, does not require new construction, and they believe it could be scaled to multiple locations to help keep more of this material local. That company is called Industrial Organic, and they were an exhibitor at the Food Waste Fair. They're working to open their first facility this fall. I spoke to co-founder Amanda Weeks to get her thoughts on the current business climate. We are a different type of food waste processing solution. We're not doing anaerobic digestion, we're not composting, Instead, we are rapidly stabilizing organic material, recovering the resources that are present in less than a week without producing methane, without odor, and at a much lower cost than other types of large-scale 
processing solutions. We heard a lot of talk about regional capacity. The city has decided they think there's enough. Some people don't necessarily agree. It's a challenge of how to spur more of that. As someone who wants to be part of that solution, what could either the city or the state do to make it easier for you to get off the ground faster to expand quicker? I think being open to new technologies is a big one. What we have found is that while we think that we are addressing a lot of the pain points that have prevented other types of food waste processing solutions from getting off the ground, what ends up hindering us is that we're new and we're unknown and nobody really knows what to do with us and they're throwing the book at us in terms of making us jump through all the hoops whereas we feel like what we're doing is safer and more efficient and more responsible than the alternatives but we end up having to jump over all these hurdles anyway because we're different. In the four years that I've been working on this watching food waste become almost a trendy issue and getting so much interest from the average person, not even people who are in the waste industry, is amazing to me. And I think funding and investment opportunities come along with that. I'm seeing just in the last 18 months, your average startup tech investor looking at this space and seeing the opportunities. Now, of course, updating permit requirements and getting regulators more familiar with the organics technology is going to take time. New York is far from the only state in this situation right now. So I was interested in hearing how the New York metro area compares to other parts of the country, particularly ones that may be farther ahead. For that, I spoke to one of the most well-known names in the organics world, Nora Goldstein. As the editor of BioCycle Magazine and a member of the Food Waste Fair House Committee, she offered some great high-level insight. Importantly, in New York City, they really are encouraging the haulers to be an interface. They're not trying to take business away. So what New York City's approach has been um, to try to build capacity, you know, like ensure there are places to take it, but really working with the generators and the haulers to support them in managing this material. There is a definite awareness because enough other places I think have tried different things that in order to really make it work for the hauler, you really have to have density and collection. That's where these requirements come in and, and allow some scaling to take place. And the other thing that New York City's doing, and, and I really hope that over time, it gets closer into the city, but they're willing to see material move a distance. So it's really showing the investors, we, we can have it. Actually, if we build it, they will come. And I think in many other instances with developers, based on the city, like the, a state rule or ban of some kind, it, it hasn't necessarily been instantaneous. From the industry side, because I know you really deal with a lot of these companies, Compost and KD, what are the barriers still in terms of getting one of these off the ground? You know, what do you think could be done to speed this process up a little mm -hmm. bit to make more competitive? Yeah. One of the things we thought early on with all the, you know, there's a lot of yard trimmings, composting facilities in an area, let's just say New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, New York, that 
you know, just they could step up and just take the food waste and add that in. And it's, you know, it's a tipping fee for the composters. And, you know, there's a, a composter that I know um, a little, not that far from Philadelphia. Uh, the haulers want him to take, you know, some of the New York City material, but it's too contaminated. So what you see with a lot, some of these facilities is for them to be able to take in food waste, they need more equipment. They need to manage differently. So that's one, you know, thing is having a quality, especially if you rely on your compost markets to make a fair amount of revenue. Um, the other is is the permitting, getting through permitting and the cost of permitting, and then siting. There is just, it's amazing how much opposition there can really be once people hear New York City waste coming, you know, and or anybody's waste coming. You know, one of the things that I think we have to really look at future forward with these projects is who could, who besides we, who we think we know could benefit. So are you really talking to the economic development people? And, you know, more and more utilities, if you can get them to commit to a certain amount of renewable natural gas, somehow engaging in some agri urban agriculture. I mean, there's so many different ways you could go with it right now. And the money's there. It seems, and you mentioned more, it seems like more interested in investors. People yeah. Come and show up to events like this who were never yeah. in the food waste space before. Right. Exactly. And that and seems that's know. new, and I heard a couple people comment that the one thing that the investors who came today were surprised at how much interest. Just the fact that 1,200 tickets were sold, and there are all these vendors and all these people. It's like, well, this is this isn't just a little like bunch of greenies. This is an industry. As food waste solutions become a more established part of New York's waste industry they're bound to experience some growing pains in the early years. It's also important to remember that the conversation about food waste includes a big emphasis on reduction and recovery before recycling even needs to happen. So there are plenty of opportunities to divert material that don't include the traditional route of collection and processing. Though the material that is left over and needs to be picked up can definitely present as many logistical challenges as it does financial opportunities. Education will be key here to reducing contamination, as we heard, and organics processing is still a tricky business compared to other parts of the industry. This has even been the case in states that do have organics diversion policies. New York State does not have a policy, and according to many people I talked to, that is not helping the city's efforts. And then in the city itself, you also have to factor in that local haulers are still concerned about making long-term investments when they don't know what's going to happen with proposed legislation around limiting transfer station capacity, as well as the possibility of a franchise system. Though, it's clear that New York City government believes this can all be resolved simultaneously as part of its broader zero-waste goals, and that the momentum behind organics diversion can make this idea self-sustaining. Yet for all the progress that has been made, we can still expect many of these questions about capacity to keep coming up. Just because everyone recognizes many of the economic and environmental benefits to organics diversion doesn't make it easy to do in one of the country's most complex urban markets. That'll do it for this month's episode of Talking Trash. You can find more of our daily news and insight on wasteapp.com, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and find back episodes of the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, I'm your host, Cole Rosengren, signing off. <laughs>